Uh, he's going to read from Luke for us. Um, so if you want to follow along, you'll find the passage written in the first gift when you open up the full page of the And it's from Luke 21. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will be not there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place, for the end will not be once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilence. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by, by, by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you shall gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are the days of vengeance, to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth, and wrath against his, his people. They will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led captive among, among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing you. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all that has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man.
frogs and canaries, both indicator species. Frogs are a natural indicator species. If you've studied biology, you might know what that means. They're sensitive to very small changes in the environment. And so they are a good indicator of their health. They're a good indicator of changes in the environment, small changes in the environment, when toxins or other environmental factors uh, change. So the lives of frogs change. And of course they're amphibious too, they live land and water. Uh, they pick up the changes in both the land and water, so they're a, uh, quite an important indicator species of what's happening in the more global environment. Canaries also are not, well, they're not natural indicator species, but being co-opted by humans to use in mining, and you probably have heard about that, how canaries were used, actually up to quite recently, to be used in mines to indicate when the oxygen levels were actually being depleted to a dangerous level. Of course, the canary keels over and dies, uh, and everyone knows that it's time to get out because there's no oxygen. Coral canary is gone. Frogs warn you about the global environment, and when they're affected, then we should take notice of what's happening. Canaries warn you about the immediate danger in the local environment. When the canary dies, everyone escapes in a hurry. In the passage that was just read for us, we have both of these types of signs here, frogs and canaries, indicator species of big things that are going to happen. Some things are bigger global things that are not right now immediate threats. Other things are local about to happen threats and indicators. And of course, uh, with the frogs and canaries, the problem isn't so much that the frogs and the canaries die, though that's a bit of a sad thing, especially for like frogs and canaries. But the problem is the thing that they're indicating. And the same here with Jesus. The signs that Jesus points to and says indicate something, not the signs themselves that are the big deal, but rather what is it that they are pointing to to take notice of it. And it begins with the problem of a relationship with God. Uh, as we get into this and see what uh, Luke tells us about Jesus in the temple, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Uh, that's asking God to help us understand his word that he gives us. So I'll pray. Uh, Lord, thanks for this day you've given us. Thanks for your word that you've given us too. As we try to understand what you are saying to us now through this part of Luke's Gospel, please open our hearts and our minds to understand and to know what you're saying to us. Help me to be able to explain it well, as well, and that we can all respond appropriately uh, in Jesus' name. Yeah, relationships is the underlying problem. That's here. Now, how does that come through? Building relationships, of course, is at the heart of being human. As humans, we're built for relationships. None more important than our relationship with the God who's made us to have relationships. And for the people of Israel to build a relationship with their God, 
is to build a temple, build a temple, build a building. To maintain the relationship with God is to maintain the temple and all the activities that go along with the temple, the prayers, the sacrifices, and so on. So the disciples who are with Jesus at this point in the temple, they point to the great stones in that first verse, the great stone and ornate elements, offerings as they call here, that are so great that they're reveling in knowing God by pointing to this great temple with great things that make it up. And that's what this structure that they're pointing at indicates. It's an indicator of the people's relationship with God and how great it is. Now I think, I don't know if you get this, um, whenever I walk around the foreshore of Sydney Harbour, you walk underneath the Harbour Bridge, I just get a slight taste of I think what these disciples are feeling. You know, you walk under the Harbour Bridge and they've got those massive, huge iron girders uh, that you can see from kilometres away, of course, but up to the <coughs> huge, and those huge, massive rivets. And you think to yourself, this is the Harbour Bridge. This is the Harbour Bridge. This is the one that's in all of the, the videos that have been built way back. These are the ones that people come from all over the world to see, and it's famous everywhere. This is it. And this is in Sydney. This is the Harbour Bridge. This is my city. And I feel like I've got a connection with the past. I've got a connection with the world. This thing is famous. I've got a connection with fame and greatness. And I don't know if that's just all in my head. <laughs> it's a bit like meeting a celebrity. It's just in architecture form. And here, the temple is a bit like that. This and all of the stones is like, this is everything that our whole nation looks forward to. Like knowing God and having a relationship with God. This is where you come to meet God and, and pray to him and connect with him. And Jesus says, yeah, this temple is going to be destroyed. Your relationship with God is going to be destroyed. Irreparably destroyed, not one stone left upon another, says Jesus. And surprisingly, the disciples are quite calm. Rather than shock and horror, they say, or they ask, when will these things take place? What will be the sign that they're about to take place? Jesus answered variously, but it's all summed up with one illustration, and he gives it to them at the end uh, of, um, of our passage, or further down. Jesus says uh, in verse 29 that it's like a fig tree. It's like a fig tree, and obviously all the trees, as soon as they come out in leaf, you know that summer is near. Uh, it's the overriding idea in the passage. There are some events which are indicators of something much bigger. Some just very ordinary events like leaves appearing on a tree, very local things that are indicators of something much, much bigger. And that's everything that's happening through this passage. When the relationship built with God in the temple is destroyed, then you know that something much bigger is coming. The kingdom of God is near. But Warnings of the temple's destruction links to other warnings and the signs of the times. 
and some are soon and specific, like the temple's destruction, and others are more general and not sure exactly when they're happening. But they're the signs of the times. Now, try and get your head around this whole passage, and it feels like it sort of jumps from one thing to another, and what Jude is actually talking about. It might be helpful to see it maybe in diagram form, and I'll try and work through it in sort of diagram form. Um, See down here is a sort of a timeline, and where Jesus is speaking to the disciples, sort of right now, is around about 33 and onwards. And then you've got this year of 70 AD, and we'll come to that in a moment. And then you've just sort of got this end that just sort of launches out into who knows when. And Jesus is located at the moment here with his disciples. But he's speaking about the destruction of the temple in verses 5 to 9, which is located in time in AD 70. And so he, he goes on and points out what's going to happen in AD 70. And there's a couple of time markers that also he points to to help us to know where we're up to. So uh, if, you, if you know the other Gospels, like Matthew and Mark, this passage is parallel also in Matthew and Mark. But the good thing about Luke is it's the easiest one to understand. Uh, the other ones have got some tricky turns in them. Luke makes it really easy. So this is a good place to, to land and, and look at. Jesus' argument here follows the logic of his topic, if you like, the logic of what's coming, rather than the chronology of what happens next and what happens next. Uh, but he throws in these time markers along the way to help us with the chronology. So, there are immediate things to, things to be aware of for the disciples in verses 8 and 9. The destruction of the temple. And what the disciples have to be aware of in view of that is, in verses 9, uh, 8 and 9, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am thee, and the time for him. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place. So the destruction of the temple is going to happen. But along with that, in the months of chaos that happens at that time, there's going to be people that are claiming to come in my name. Don't be fooled by them. Don't be fooled by them. You'll hear of wars and great uh, conflict happening. Don't be terrified. You know about it now, already before it happens. And then Jesus gives us the first time marker in verse 9. What does he say? Uh, Do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. As in the end will not be coming right now. So once you've seen all those things happen, the destruction of the temple, well, that's not the end. There's much more to come. So we know we're looking for something else. Jesus then goes on in verse 10 to talk about the nations rising against nation. And it's not located in any particular time. What does he say in verse 10? Nations will rise against nation, king against kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places of famine and pestilence. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. So, notice, well, you notice, Jesus doesn't actually mention you, as in the disciples, in these couple of verses. That's a bit of an indicator 
He's not talking about you 12 disciples specifically. It's just nations will rise against nations, kingdom, kingdoms against kingdoms. You see the destruction of the temple <coughs> and recognise that it's actually a picture of something bigger that's ha- ha- going to happen. Just something general. Nations rising against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. It's just one of many things that are going to happen. Something that seems that signs that something bigger is going to happen. So don't be terrified by the by these wars and rumors of wars. It's the general character of history. Uh, time marker two is in verse twelve. Straight after that, he tells us what he's about to talk about in terms of time. Uh, he says, "But before all this." They will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your mind not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I'll give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You'll be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. Some of you will be put to death. You'll be hated for all for <coughs> my name's sake. Not the arrogant head will perish by your endurance, you will gain your lives. Now that sounds um, rather depressing and scary, but it's, a, it's meant to be a comfort from Jesus to the disciples. Don't worry, this is going to come. Uh, but Jesus there is rewinding notes in that verse 12 with that time marker. But before any of these things happen, they will lay their hands on you. Jesus rewinds here in this to the, to the, not the beginning of time, but the beginning of this time slot, 33 AD, when the disciples will be persecuted. And in your own time, when you've got a bit of uh, time, you could actually read through Acts with these verses here, um, open, verses 12 to 19, and actually see how these verses just flow out in the book of Acts. How you do see people who are uh, dragged out of their homes and persecuted, delivered up by parents and brothers. There's, there's uh, Peter and John who put in prison. Uh, Stephen who's put to death. Paul who persecutes. Paul who is persecuted. Here you've got a quick summary of the book of Acts. Everything that happens. But then Jesus moves on in verse 20 to warn these guys of this again, another specific threat, the threat of Jerusalem being destroyed in verse 22. Okay, take that up to verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee the mountains. Let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill what is written. It's not as though God has lost control. It's not that Jesus doesn't have control or that everything in the world has gone out of control. Jesus is saying, these are the days of vengeance. Just like he said a couple of chapters ago, if you were with us, on entering Jerusalem, he says, God's judgment is coming upon you. As I'm entering the city as the king, I'm bringing God's judgment. Jesus says to his disciples, be aware of God's judgment coming. And when you see it, flee. 
out to out to the countryside. Don't go back into the city. He's actually wanting his disciples to survive and not be caught up in the destruction of Jerusalem. And uh, if you do look at the historians who write this time, uh, none that I've come across actually mention any Christians who were caught up in the actual destruction of Jerusalem. Most of them, the theory is uh, that they've actually taken off to another city quite early on in response to hearing what Jesus had to say. Flee to the countryside. Don't go back into the city when you see the armies being camped around Jerusalem. And of course, in AD 70, Jerusalem was torn down by the Romans and was never the same again as a Jewish capital. <coughs> Mark 3, you get this enigmatic statement, verse 25, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So this is going to happen... But then the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. What's the times of the Gentiles? Yeah, you can work that out. <laughs> uh, is it the time when the Gentiles are like the, the, like the Roman army is removed from Jerusalem? Is that what it is? Is the time, the times of the Gentiles, it's a plural. It's not just like a time, it's the times. Is it like a, meant to be like a long age? Is this the, the time of the Gentiles being included in God's kingdom? Uh, Luke talks lots about the Gentiles being included in God's people. Is this now the time when the message of the gospel of the kingdom is going to go out to the Gentiles? Is that the time? It's actually a much longer time. Well, it's a time marker, one point or another. The final act that happens is the act of judgment in the Son of Man. Verse 25. He told them, and he said, There will be signs in the sun and moons and stars on the earth, distress and nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming with a cloud and power, in a cloud with power and <coughs> glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your head because of your redemption. He's drawing in. Now, Jesus sort of zooms chronologically to the to the end. Sort of from the time that he's talking about through to the end. It's the, it's the time of the coming of the Son of Man. When in Acts, Jesus, as the Son of Man, comes to the Father in heaven, comes to God in his resurrection and ascension until the day when Jesus comes again to bring um, time and humanity to an end. And you can see here what happens when the Son of Man comes. Uh, it's like decreation. Heaven and the earth and the sea is all involved. Remember in the beginning with creation, order is brought out of chaos with the heaven and the earth and the sea. Here you've got chaos reigning again, if you like, as the end comes. The world began, if you remember, with the world and everything ruled by a glorious human. Now the world ends with the rule of a glorious and powerful man, the Son of Man. Well, what do you make of this? 
Well, I want to give you time just to ask some questions. There's a lot of details there. We rushed through it um, really quickly. I want to say a few things to finish off in a moment. But you might have questions. Why don't you have a chat on your table uh, about questions that come up from this passage? It might be the things that I've already mentioned. It might be other things that you can see there that I haven't talked about. Is there anything for us to... Yep. I think all of these ones that sort of flow out here begin. So, nation rising against nation. Sort of that first general thing that Jesus points to. Where he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes, various places, famines, pestilences. And there were great terrors and great signs in the heavens. Uh, I think that's a general thing that's happening. But also, uh, with the coming of the Son of Man... So when does the Son of Man actually come? Uh, what does Jesus mean by that? I think first and foremost, when Jesus is raised, uh, risen from the dead and ascends into heaven, that is the Son of Man coming to God. So he's already come in his ascension. It's the picture that comes from Daniel chapter 7, and you have to look it up for yourself. Now where thrones are set in place, judgment thrones, and judgment over uh, chaotic, beastly kingdoms of the earth. And it's when one like a son of man comes to the ancient days that he's given authority to judge the nations. When does that happen? When, when does the son of man come to the Father, come to the ancient of days? That's it, Jesus in his ascension. He's already there. Jesus has already come to the Father. He's already come as the Son of Man to reign. Now, he hasn't come in the sense of bringing that heavenly rule to earth in its fullest and most final sense. What we're getting 
these little sort of shoots of light, if you like, little shoots of that world, and it's seen in this great upheavals and chaos and conflicts on the earth. So each time you see something going wrong in the world, whether it's humans conflicting with humans, uh, or whether it's you know great meteorological events, it's just a little snippet to say that the Son of Man is coming. He has come. He's ruling now, but he's coming again, and the final and full rule will come. I think that's what you're seeing with those. We can't link direct events to life. I think you can. You can. Are there particular one-off events? Yeah. Um, well, we don't. Jesus doesn't mention any particular one-off events apart from the destruction of the temple and destruction of Jerusalem. All we know is that. All of those types of things, nations fighting against nations, are things that are in place to show us. Yeah. Any? Um, it says in verse, verse 32, Truly I said that this generation will not pass away until all this happens. So, what does it mean there about this generation? Yeah, again, that's really hard. What does Jesus mean by this generation? Does he mean you disciples, you know, in your lifetime? It's all of this is going to happen. Well, obviously, the disciples are dead, and the second coming of the Son of Man hasn't happened. Uh, or does he mean that if you've seen sort of the Son of Man and you've seen the start of these things happening, then you've actually seen the whole thing? The taste of it in the destruction of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem is really just a taste of everything that's going to happen. So is he saying this generation sees these particular things happen? They've seen the whole picture, apart from the final coming of the Son of Man. Is that what he means? Uh, or does he mean that this generation is the generation of the, the Gentiles, if you like, the generation of the Gentiles who live now the coming of the Son of Man and the Son of Man rule. I don't know. Intriguing. A couple of responses that we see. The responses there you see, there's right and wrong ones. And there's responses for the disciples, for those disciples at the time. They're not really they're not really meant for us. And so you see in verse 14, those disciples, Jesus says to them, uh, when they're dragged before governors, and so on and so on and so on, uh, he says to them, settle it in, therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. For they, they weren't meant to go and sit down and write a talk on how to present themselves when they're dragged before courts and so on. The particular promise to them is that the Holy Spirit will provide what's needed. Exactly what happened in the case of Stephen. You need to read that in Acts chapter 8. Uh, and you actually see that that's what God does for Paul as well. It's not necessarily a thing for us. You're, you're called to testify about Jesus. You don't go, well, I don't have to think about what I'm going to say. Um, we actually really think about what we can say. 
Also, uh, the response that's right for those disciples, of course, in that particular situation of Jerusalem is to flee to the mountains and depart the city. You're not meant to do that. You know, you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then we flee up Mount Kira. Is that what we're meant to do? No, it's a specific thing for them at that time. But there are things that are for all disciples. Verse 28, right responses for all disciples. Verse 28. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When these things take place, begin to take place, they're going to happen over a period of time. But when they begin to take place, take notice. When you begin to see nations rising against nations, when you begin to see distress amongst the nations, perplexity, when you begin to see things happening meteorologically, when you, you begin to see floods in Houston that never occurred before, you're not meant to say the end has come, but you're meant to go, ah, Jesus has talked about these types of things. Jesus has talked about it. When you hear about Kim Jong-un firing a missile over another nation, threatening war, you're meant to go, Jesus has talked about this. Most of the world, they see that sort of thing happen, and they gasp in horror or fear, and quite rightly so. But Jesus says, it's really for you to take notice. It's for you to take notice. And we have access to media which tells us these things 24-7 without really having to wait more than a couple of minutes to see them. And we think the media is biased. We think the media is biased. Uh, but actually, it's a media as it presents these great cataclysmic world events. It's actually reporting God's, if you like, coded message to his disciples. When you see these things happening, you don't fall out in fear and gasp, but that's quite appropriate. I'll see through it and recognise that something big is happening. These are indicators for bigger things. Don't, don't lose your bearings. Stand up, straighten up and watch because the time of your redemption is drawing near. Don't switch off in denial and think, I just don't want to think about world events like that. I just don't, I want to just, you know, Instagram is good because I can just you know, flick through phone. I don't have to worry about what other people, Facebook is no good because people post up stuff that's difficult. I just want to escape. Now Jesus says, notice, notice what's happening. Don't fall away in fear, but straighten up and re recognise that your redemption is drawing near. And also, Watch yourselves, he says. Take notice, watch yourselves, verse twenty, verse 34. Watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch yourselves, not to be weighed down by the cares of this life, by drunkenness, by dissipation, which I had to look that up to find to see what that really does mean, 
uh, it's the wasting away of like, a fortune. It's um, mental distraction, says the dictionary. Amusement, diversion. So in physics and mechanics, a process in which energy is used or lost without accomplishing any useful work. It's just sit around doing nothing. Just absorbing the stuff of life. Escaping the drunken, self-absorbed consumption of the world to escape the realities that are happening around us. Jesus said, don't get caught up in the cares of this world and life, work, money, jobs, study, marks. They're all the things that you have to do. Everyone has to do them. Don't get caught up in them. You need to have your energy set apart to look for the coming of the sun to be ready to stay awake, to pray, to be ready to see the coming of the Son of Man, to be ready to testify to Him, to be ready to receive the new kingdom. The world began <coughs> ruled by a righteous man. The world ends ruled by a glorious and powerful man who is coming, the Son of Man, Jesus Himself. Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus, the Son of Man, will bring that final day of God's judgment and redemption for those who are longing for it to come. Friends, stay awake. Don't be distracted by what you see happening around you in the world. Stay awake, ready for the Son of Man. The indicators are all on the front. Well, thanks for speaking to us through the Lord, Jesus. Thanks for the indicators that you send and show us day by day through various methods and news channels that, that big things happen in the world and that's just the way they've always been, but they're indicators of something bigger that you're bringing, that your kingdom is drawing in, the kingdom of your son, the Lord Jesus. Keep us from being distracted by the good things of this world, just being absorbed in them. Help us see what you are doing the big things in the world and be ready for the coming of your son we pray in Jesus name
Lord, please continue to raise up students and staff workers who are willing to share the gospel in our group. And we ask all this for your glory and in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.